Hey, welcome to The Screenwriting Life. I'm Meg LaFove. And I'm Lorianne McKenna. We are professional screenwriters. We've worked together as a team and separately. We've worked on studio and indie films, live action and animation, from my work on Inside Out and Captain Marvel. To my work in Pixar's story department on Up, Brave, and Inside Out. We are here to share our insights on the craft of screenwriting and also the life. How to not only survive the ups and downs, but thrive. We want to help you become the best screenwriter you can be and to reassure you that you are not alone on this journey. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today, we are chatting with Mexican sister filmmaking team, Constanza and Dominica Castro. They are founders of the L.A.-based production company 271 Films and directors of the 2022 Sundance selected short doc, We Are Here. They have teamed up with Lena Waithe Hillman Grad Productions and Indeed to executive produce the Rising Voices Initiative, which invests in and mentors the next generation of BIPOC directors. Each season, this program awards 10 filmmakers up to $100,000 production budget to make a short film that will premiere at the Tribeca Film Festival. Yay! <laughs> Hi, so happy to be here. I'm Constanza Castro. And I'm Dominica Castro. Super, super happy to be here. So nice that you guys have such distinctly different voices. Oh, so we will be able to tell you both apart. I was I laughing. It. I was saying before the show, like, it's kind of like, you know, on a podcast, if you have a writing partnership, it's like each of you can introduce yourselves. But both of you gave us the gift of clarifying that even your mother can't always tell who's who on the phone. So uh, what I'll tell our listeners is they're both brilliant. So if you hear any of them say anything, I can promise you it's wise. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah, that is very nice. <laughs> How are you? We're Great. good. And so uh, they've agreed to uh, uh, join us in our adventures in screenwriting and what we did this week. So Lorian, go first. Show them how it's done. Well, uh, this week for me has been about focus and doing. And to that point, I'm trying to be very short and sweet with this. What focus and doing means to me, um, I have many, many projects going and I keep coming up with new ones. Um, what I'm finding is that I get very easily distracted and I bounce and bounce and I get very stressed about all the projects and what's going to happen with all of them. So I have picked two this week and I am focusing on those two. Um, and then that will help me. And then the doing is I have to do it, <laughs> which <laughs> which is exactly what it is. So uh, that's my that's what I've been thinking about last week and I'm actually putting into practice this week. And that has been my week. Spectacular. Focused Which might be my it. shortest one ever. And I just had to interrupt you and keep talking because I can't resist hearing the sound of my own voice. Okay, I'm done now. <laughs> All right. And to our guests, uh, would you like to share your week? Is it, I don't know, do you work together all the time? So would your week in terms of work be similar or do you do different things? We do. We work together all the time. All the time. <laughs> um, we are also best friends. So we also, on a per, you know, outside of work, we're always together. So we're kind of always together. <laughs> um, and this week I have been practicing um, organization. My focus is on organization and trust um i and, and so that i can delegate um some of the work that's on my plate to my collaborators and that is something that is often hard for me to do but that i um i'm specifically practicing um this week Good and for, you. for me even though we're working on the same things and thank you Lorian, for saying that because i'm gonna actually apply it to all of my anxieties of this week and just be like okay there's a lot going on what are the two things that i need to focus on 
the thing that I'm working on this week is creating boundaries. I'm a total workaholic. I work all day, every day, even in my dreams, I'm working and thinking about how I'm going to do it. So I think that for me, this week is about is starting to create habits because I have 10 years of just work, 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 work and be like, okay, actually, no, I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to build into my schedule time to eat at normal hours, time to go on a walk, time to work out, oh, time to be able to watch a movie. And I think that I wish that somebody would have told me this when I was starting, because then it would be an easier, like I would already have that habit, but I'm going to turn that into the thing that I move forward. Cause I think it's important for your body and your mind to also be aligned outside of work. Can I, I ask love you something? That. Can I ask you something about that? So I am an all or nothing person. I'm either like a hundred percent go, 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 or I'm a slug and I'm in bed with my head on watching Netflix. Um, and I have been struggling with finding that balance. Uh, for a long time. Um, and something that I realized is if I just pick two things to work on, like right now I'm trying to help my brain. Uh, I have on my, I have a screensaver on my phone and it says, put your keys by the door and your purse on the floor. So anytime I open my phone, I see this. So when I come in the house, I see this, but my therapist was like, put three things on the list. And I was like, no, I can do two. So like, how do you manage? Because all the things you just rattled off that you're working on, like that was a lot. So yeah. like, how do you manage that? Because I recognize the work, 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 workity, work, work thing. I think it's priorities. Like for me, everything's a priority and really kind of understanding, okay, do I really need to answer to this email right now? Will the world stop? And like, will, will, will the person that needs to get this response be affected if I don't respond in this moment? So I think like that would be like a tangible thing that I'm like, okay, over the weekend, I was like, I could respond or I could just read a book. And I'm like, okay. And I'm, it's a constant anxiety. And again, I think it goes to building a habit. Like I'm just used to like, but it's so easy. I could just respond. And it's like, no, you're creating a habit. You have to learn. I'm, I'm learning. Actually, I'm learning right now how to prioritize in ways that don't affect. And, and if the answer, like, for example, over the weekend, something came up and it was like, oh, no, this is really urgent. Like if I don't answer right now, then it's going to have like a domino effect of you know, uh, deadlines that, that need to be hit. So I did that. So again, it's just managing sort of like what is absolutely a priority and what can really wait a day, two, three, a week. It's so great because that's also going to feed back into your own creativity, right? Yeah. So all those emails to me are always like just taking energy. And it's not that they don't feed back eventually, but really to say, no, that's not a priority and going to read is kind of an automatic more nurturing thing to yourself and your own creativity, which I love. Um, my week just quickly was about, um, I had a friend who was an executive and he was going to maybe quit and go be a director. And I warned him of the red apple offer, which is whenever you're going to say no to and, and to try to go towards your dream, I find that the universe will immediately offer something that is so tempting to stay where you are that it's literally like the snow white red apple right and it did happen to him immediately um and i got a red apple offer which is you know i talked about last week how when you're a writer you have to be planning out six months eight months a year out because to get your job because even if you get the job by the time you're actually doing it or being paid 
It could be a year from now. So even though I have a job, I'm still always kind of thinking about what's the next thing and health insurance. Let's talk about that. But um, so uh, a sample, a, a script I wrote years ago has come back to me. And it's something, it's a TV show that I wrote would create, um, I'm going to bring my husband in on it, but it would be our show. And they want to go out again, and they're willing to pay us for a draft. And it's very exciting. So I'm really kind of literally starting to move towards my own work, you know, not working for another director, not working for somebody else, which I love, but it's not all I want to do. And I want to kind of step out on this board and be like, okay, what if it was just me out there, right? Like that's, it's a different thing. And um, immediately this call comes in of getting to work with one of my favorite directors, like of all time, like, and getting to write with him on this project. And I was like, oh my God, here it is. The Red Apple offer came in and it's really tempting and it feels like sticky flypaper. Like even if I just do the call to meet him and and talk about it. I just, I just know myself. I know I'm going to get all invested in what his needs are and his vision and wanting to help him because I'm good at that. And I really do enjoy doing it, but boy, I'm having to really take a big breath because that is kind of more for sure, obviously, than what I'm going to do. So uh, yeah, I got my red apple offer and I just want to warn you all, they do come in as soon as you tell the universe I'm doing it. I'm committing. I'm going for this dream myself, whatever it is. So just, you know, a little, little warning that these offers come in. And uh, no, I haven't said no yet. But uh, <laughs> check in next week to see, will they do it? No. Is your advice to, like, say no to the Red Apple offer for our listeners? No, just it's different aware? for every person. No, yeah. it's different for every person. My friend who wanted to be a director, it was such a great offer and a once-in-a-lifetime offer that for himself, for his family, he had to take it. And so I, I I, highly support it. Like, absolutely, take that offer. That's amazing. Um, as long as I, as a friend, I'm always every once in a while going, hey, what about you directing? You know, like, I'm like the little bird. Like, don't forget, you did want to do this too. Um, and sometimes those Red Apple offers are things that get you a good platform or a good kind of rock in the wall of what you need to stand on to do your own thing. Um, so it's no, it's not always don't take them at all. Sometimes they can be amazing and it's universe saying, no, you're not ready. You need to go get some skills and here's an offer to help you go get some skill set. Um, but for me personally, I know <laughs> in my gut, this is, I, it is a temptation. It's a different, it is a temptation and I have to be super careful about this choice right now. So I better take a pause and, uh, really think about, you know, I had a really, really good friend say to me once, you only have so many, you only have so much time, which means you can only do so many projects in a lifetime. And I had just gotten passed on for something to be a writer. And she said, so is this dog movie something you wanted to be one of those? And I was like, no. And she's like, well, congratulations. You don't have to do it. Um, so it's about, you know, it's about for me right now, deciding, you know, what, where I'm going to put my creative life energy uh, uh, and is, am I going to partner and give it away in terms of their dream or not their, their vision, right? Their storytelling or my own. So tune in next week to see what I do, but let's get on enough about me. Let's get on to our guests because that's who we're all here to hear. And I'm really excited. So, um, can we talk first? We always ask the first question because our listeners are so interested in how you broke into the business 
um, you know, how did you know you wanted to be producers? Kind of just tell us a little bit about how you got started. Totally. Um, we come from a family of storytellers. Our grandpas on both sides of the family in Mexico um, had been part of the industry in one way or another, music, actors, composers. So that, that was that's just, we were born sort of in that world. And I think at first, like, I would say for majority of my life up until I started theater in college in Las Vegas, which is where we grew up um, after moving from the from Mexico City to the U.S., I quickly learned that I wanted to act like that's what I wanted to do. I was like, I'm going to act. I was a, I acted in a few like one TV show when I was little and I was in a play when I was four years old. And it's like acting is my passion and it's a thing and it's the way that I want to tell stories. And I quickly was shut down by my professors in theater because I had this language barrier. And sometimes like in, in improv, I, I would get so scared because they would throw a word and I'm like, literally, I've never heard that word before. I don't know how to improvise that and like throw the whole class off and ruin everything for everybody. And that barrier, like that language barrier, I think as I kind of like look back, I'm like, that really stopped me from continuing because my teachers were like, uh, you're not good or there's no roles for you or like, you know, like blah, blah, blah. And, and all I heard was, you're not good. You're not good. You're not good. And so like, in a way, you know, I was like, okay, well, fine. I want to be a film actress, not a theater actor. I mean, stupid cons, you know, like young, but that's what I was thinking. So I'm just going to major in, in film. And I started into the film and I absolutely fell in love with the magic of cinema and the behind the scenes and the Nickelodeons and the history of like how the moving pictures started. And I became obsessed, like truly obsessed. I would come home and, you know, like I would share with my parents and like, and then the train was coming and the audience like all got up and they were so afraid. And like, I want to create that kind of emotion. Like truly, I'm like, like obsessed. And like, I would bring my books and we would be eating dinner. And like, I was like, oh shoot, like there's other ways. Like I can, I can make movies. And again, kind of like think about the time when this happened, which is like about 10 years ago. Producing seemed like the easiest way because I was like, well, I, if I'm a director, a writer, like, what am I going to write about? Like, I'm Mexican, I'm an immigrant, I'm a woman. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, is that interesting? I don't think so. I don't think anybody wants to hear about that. So I'll just empower other people's voices. And that will be done by producing because my story, my, my passion in the end is in storytelling, right? Like, I just want to tell stories and I want to make an audience feel and so the easiest path was producing. And it turned out that I was very good. I like, you know, like everybody was making film, like short films that were in their dorms or in their parents' house. And I was like, wait, what about calling like a mall and like shooting there and like asking permission? And it kind of worked out. And they were like, how did you do it? I'm like, literally, I just picked up the phone and I asked and they said, okay, sure. Do you have insurance? And I called the school and I'm like, I need insurance, like help me. And they did. And so I think, Producing just came easy as, you know, I think also we're immigrants and like, so, and beyond that, our parents have always so taught us to persevere against all odds. And I think that that's such a big part of being a filmmaker is that kind of you have to just keep going and keep working. And like, I remember a professor saying, 
this business is for those who don't give up, who don't like, if you really want to do it, if you really believe in your, in, in, in you, you just don't give up. And so I think that's a little bit of a long story, not too short of like how I ended up being a producer. Um, Love it. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, for me, obviously we grew up together. So a lot of what she said had influence in me as well and the dinner conversations and all of that. But but, you know, going back in time and as Fonz was saying, in our family, there really aren't any like we don't have a doctor in the family. We have friends that are doctors. We don't have doctors in the family. We don't have um, lawyers or anything like that. So for us, for our family, it's always been the arts have been the way into making a living. So it was not a foreign concept for us to want to tap into um, growing up. It's what we had seen around us um, and and grew up admiring and our dad is a big cinephile. He's the composer. And um, and he we would always watch films together and analyze like what is listen to the music and listen to the, you know, the sound design, listen to this and look at the editing and look where they cut the movie. And so we had a little bit of a formative film education, I think, with our dad, because we could have gone off to, I don't know, maybe be singers or something, you know, different. And we really chose film. Um, and I really think it had to do with that. And also sort of like the fact that that was like a medium of real connection with our family. We were really, really close with our family, but um, specifically that was something um, cool. And when I was little, I was actually very, very anxious child and I didn't like to go in the theater. Um, I liked to watch television more than being in um, in, in a dark room and in, in a theater. And my mom felt the same way. So a lot of times Constanza my brother and my dad would go off to see a movie. My mom and I would do just maybe one movie with them and then we would take off, but they would spend the whole day <laughs> in the cinema. Um, and so, you know, that all, that all influenced. And I don't know why, but even in high school, I had a very clear idea that I was going to be a director or producer. Um, I never felt that I could be an actress. So I, I didn't think about it, but then my grandmother got sick and Gons had started school and she told me, take these books with you. You have to read them in case you're bored. So I took um, uh, <laughs> a Stanislavski book and in sort of like, you know, she was going through a cancer and it was like really sad and dark. And I picked up the book and I just started reading and there was this like, what if the magic, what if? And it sort of gave me a sense of escapism. Um, and I and and it gave me the sense that I you know, that there, that there, that I could use my imagination, that I could tap into um, creativity in a way that was um, fulfilling and, um, and really special, especially like in that moment. And so I came back and I was like, I'm going to be an actress now. And I enrolled in school. And then a similar story happened. I did three years uh, of a stage and screen acting program. And I never got cast in anything. And I really didn't feel like, you know, anything, you know, big and in the film department, some friends wanted to cast me. And so I stepped into the film world a little bit more. And um, through that process, I was just like, forget it. I'm never going to have a job on screen. I'm going to go produce. Um, and I sort of followed the steps that Cons had been paving. I mean, really at our school, she she's, uh, you don't, you know, on the Zoom, you can't really see, but Cons is like a very adorable, small woman. And five one. <laughs> yeah. And she, but she has a super powerful voice and super, um, you know, and a super strong drive. And she just asked for permission of, you know, malls, houses, 
a person let her shoot at her house. A person let, let me use her man. Let, let me use her mansion and for her three days and for her cars. And I just asked, and she's like, "I like you, okay, sure." Like crazy things, you know. But, That's awesome. But all for the love of like, okay, the script needs this, and I'm gonna go and, and I'm gonna it. go find the it. story needs yeah. this, and I will go find it. So I think that's always been the thing. It's like, what does the story need, and how do we get it? No, I think that's great. I love your story. I think two things really stood out for me. Uh, one is you know that you ha- sort of grew up with it. And I think for a lot of people, that sounds really dreamy. It sounds really dreamy to me to have had that kind of like conversation. I'm trying to do it with my daughter a lot. Um, but the other thing that really stands out to me is how powerful teachers can be, those voices. And um, I was with some friends this weekend and a 14-year-old girl who's a writer and an animator, she talked about the story she wrote that was a murder mystery, but at the end, she doesn't reveal who the murderer is. And she says it at the first sentence, you will not know who the murderer is. And her teacher gave her a C because that's not how you write stories because you have to reveal the murderer. And I was like, well, here's how that's amazing feedback. He was so emotionally invested in your story that he wanted to know the end of the mystery and you yanked that out from him. The other piece is he could have investigated with her a way to do that differently so that it might be more effective, but that would have been more work for him. So instead of doing more work, he just said no to her. Like I suspect your your professors did with you in the theater department when you were trying to act right? There is a way to mentor that is not just saying no. So I just want to encourage everyone to be very aware of when they are hearing and feeling no, what's really behind it. Is it that the answer is no from the universe, which I don't think it ever is, or is it just too hard for this other person? They have to give you more energy and, and mentorship. More often more threatening to that person that they want to knock right. down a peg. I'm yeah. also really interested um, in how your experience producing is informing your directing and storytelling process or how you're juggling doing both of those. Cause you have your own company, right. As, as, as producers. So how do you balance? God, clearly I'm asking for myself now that I'm saying the question out loud, how do you balance giving uh, all of your life energy to your production company, which is, you know, you're this great force that you are um, to other people, but your own work as well. It. Honestly, it came during pandemic, the I, the kind of shift of directing, I think for a long time, because even like in, we went to UNLV, which is a public university. And, you know, during in the film department, you have to take acting, directing, cinematography, like you got to do it all and then figure out kind of like your path. So I think like we directed in undergrad. And so kind of we had already gotten like, you know, we had already put our feet in that level you know, of the, the of like of directing of like, what is what, like maybe, maybe not in the lab, but like, what, it, what is it? What does this mean? Like, but it only came, I think, after realizing and acknowledging that we had something to say. And so I think that the way, because a lot of people are asking, like, are you not going to produce anymore? Are you just going to direct? And it's like, no, because we are storytellers and there's going to be stories where I have something to say very strongly or questions about life and humanity, about myself, of my family, whatever it is that I'm trying to answer during this process that might be very personal to me. And that would dictate like me taking kind of like the lead. But at the same time, it's like we're very interested in expanding point of views and perspectives. And I think that's the magic of cinema. And like People are like, what kind of genres do you do you you do you normally do? It's like it doesn't matter. A good story, you know, like 
relationships, like stories that are about people and the relationships and, and humanity in ways that actually push society forward. Like, I think that's very interesting in whatever way, you know, we can be looking at the past, but how is the past kind of like helping us better, you know, be better humans ultimately. So like, that's very important to us. But I think it came really during no work, which was pandemic. And we're like, Dome, you know, kind of going back to, I think Meg, you mentioned that you are working on a, on a project that like you had written before during pandemic, we were revisiting like, okay, what, what have we been like writing? And we opened up literally a short film that we wrote and we kept thinking about and continue to think about that Dominica wrote in undergrad in our screenwriting 101 mm -hmm. class about a janitor at an airport who couldn't leave their country because they couldn't, because they didn't have opportunity. So that started to be like, wait, okay, like the script sucks, like it's not good, but there's something that hasn't changed for us, which is that that as immigrants, you know, it's like there you can be trapped and you can be in this place and you can't leave. And then that tied into uh, the pandemic and we're like, wait, there's a parallel here. Now the whole world knows what it is to not be able to leave anywhere or go places. And so we used like something that started like 10 years ago in our hearts, in our minds, in our soul, in our fibers and like revisited that. And that became we're here, which we which we ended up directing. I just watched it. I thought it was lovely and so interesting because I was like, oh, an animated short. I know what that is, but it was something totally different and unexpected and uh, really charming. And, you know, and, uh, you know, horrifying and compelling and emotional and all the things that I think you intended it to be um, and thought provoking. Um, but it was so interesting because it wasn't animation in terms of I'm watching what I'm hearing. It was a very gosh, I don't have any words to describe it, but it was because uh, I'm a writer. Like you know, abstract just, art. It was like yeah, abstract, it was abstract art. And the art is yeah. kind of expressing the feelings yeah, um, but it's very abstract, and I thought it was incredibly powerful. Just Me an too. incredibly powerful short, and I'm so glad it exists. And I hope all of our listeners go watch it. I hope uh, everybody watches it. I thought it was just so powerful. Yeah. Can Thank you tell you. us about um, what Rising Voices is and uh, why it's important to you? Yeah, yeah. Um, do you want to go? <laughs> Rising Voices is um, a mentorship program, and it's evolved um through through the years we're now hitting season three so the third year um and in the beginning it was really you know how do we give opportunity to BIPOC filmmakers to tell stories that they want to tell and tell them how they want to say that tell them um and so um we uh, got invited through Rishi and Lena uh from Hillman grad to uh, join the partnership and and build this program out um, and really for us it started as what would we have wanted to exist uh, for us and and what would we even want to have exist for us now if we could you know if we could if we could take this opportunity and so we really uh, put it together with that in mind um, because it's it's really hard to get your stories made and financed and you know, while a hundred thousand dollar budget goes quick, um, it's still a lot of money, and it's still um, an opportunity to tell a story in a in a you know professional way, and in um, 
um, with resources that can really help you um, go into, you know, create a body of work that can showcase your talents, but also propel you to the next, you know, to what's next for you. So um, do you, does Rising Voices, uh, I know that you guys create mentorships for the people that are chosen to come into the program. Are you also financing their films or are you helping them find financing? How does that work? Yeah, so pretty much it's set up as a studio, Indeed, which is a job search company, um, finances the program. So the money is set in place. So like that is one less thing that the filmmaker has to worry about. It's like you're going to get $100,000 for your film. You're going to get $5,000 for your writing. You're going to get $5,000 for directing and distribution we're going to take care of, marketing and distribution. And so that is like taking so much of the stress that of you know like like a filmmaker that's trying to make a film goes through it's like not only will i give you the money to make it but then i will also give money for marketing and for getting your film out there and getting people to to watch it which is super important and so there's funding there's mentorship and there's distribution as part of the program and 271 and Hillman grad you know we develop produce and deliver 10 films in about four months the first year was two and a half months which is wild Crazy. second year months. so we keep we're like okay four months is that the sweet spot but all the films become available online I think accessibility is also extremely important um part of opportunity and like being able to have people you know who are not on certain streamers be able to watch the work so that's that's how the program is 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 built. And, you know, we have directing mentorships who have directed TV because obviously the goal is like, OK, Hollywood says that they, you need a betting, a calling card. Right. OK, well, this will be it. So from this, you should be able to move into like your feature and TV. And, and what's really cool is that I believe like seven of season one directors, which is like, you know, in a, in a year and a half, they've now directed episodes of TV show um of that's spectacular so it's it's really really something unique and special and I think that's what you know it's like okay this is something important that's actually not it's not just like okay make your movie and then what whatever I think in season three we realized okay this isn't really like a directing mentorship program it's like a career mentorship program like because we're built we're create we're helping them build muscles and strengths and kind of like that thick skin it's like okay you gotta make decisions you don't have a lot of time and you only have a specific amount of money and there's nothing really beyond that as parameters of this program so what do you do and so i think um we we say this all the time and and it's one of doma's favorite quote i don't know if you want to say it by guillermo el toro Oh, yeah, I once heard him speak um, and, and say that someone asked, how do you measure the abilities of a director? And he said, the abilities of a director are measured by their ability to negotiate with reality. Um, and that's something that's really stuck with us. And to your point, Meg, about, you know, like, how do we, you know, like the collaborations that we've done and that we, you know, will continue to do as producers is for us, that's one of the ways in which we you know, are going to measure who we want to work with. And, and it is, you know, finding finding collaborators that can really navigate realities in a in a way that ends up not not hurting the story, but actually enhancing the story and that are willing to do the work that it takes to to get to that point. 
And how I do love we, that. you know, but I think it goes like, I think that the, even though Guillermo del Toro was saying it about specifically directing, I think that it, oh, yeah, it goes for, for, for anything <laughs> in life, you know, it's like, how do you yeah, move we, forward we in any all of our lives? <laughs> um, what I'm sure you guys get a lot of submissions. Um, what are some tips you have for anybody who's thinking about sub, um, submitting to your program or even just for writing and directing in general, either, either, yeah. either question. Well, for the program, the program calls for 10 page scripts, um, just because, you know, budget constraints, time constraints, the program is set so that you can have three days of filming. Um, so you can't really do much more than 10 pages, 10 pages or so um, with that. So to, you know, to first, it's like finding a story that can be told in that length of um, of of time. Um but also that it is a compelling story because 10 pages can feel um, very long for, you know, if the story is not well crafted. And so just find, I think for us, it's, we look for truth. We look for vulnerability. We look, we look to feel something when we read a script and we read so many of them um, through this application process, the ones that stand out really make us feel something. Um it's a medium of emotion and it's a medium of connection. And we want to recognize ourselves or see someone for the very first time that we are willing to um, empathize and engage with and, and, you know, and feel a part of their world and that they're a part of our world. Um, and I think also like um, relationships, like, is this a film about a concept or is this a film about people uh, in a in a relationship in whatever way it might be and so I think that those would be like in addition to feeling it's like who are we exploring and why you know like and 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 am I invested in these in these relationships and in these characters yeah voice That's point of view you know that it feels like a new story um that it's that that feels innovative and that excites you to meet the people who are going to bring it to life. Because um, then you have questions. You're like, well, and how are they planning to, you know, how are they seeing this is going to come to life? Oh, I really wonder what that scene is going to look like. And, you know, it just starts to, it, it inspires you. It mm -hmm. provokes um, the desire to, to want to invest time, um, energy, money, and give this opportunity to that person to, to, to really, you know, bring a story up uh, to life. I think that's so great. And you just really articulated exactly what I'm working on today, right? Like be vulnerable, tell the truth, be clear yeah. about what it is you want to get across or investigate, and then leaving them wanting a little bit more, like creating such a rich pitch or statement that you sort of want people to lean in mm -hmm. to you as much as the project, I think, right? Um, where can people go to apply? So it is on the Hillman grad website. The applications are now closed. We just kicked off last week, season three. So stay tuned if season four is back. We hope that it is because it is truly like such an, inc like I'm so proud to be part of this, of this initiative and I'm really proud of the work and the filmmakers that have gone through the program and I'm excited about it. But yeah, I think if you follow Hillman 271 on social media, um, we always kind of update on opportunities that, that come up and not even just through our, our company. Like, I think like, it's just like, what are the other opportunities that are also out there that you should know about? So 
Um, but yeah, it, the applications go through the Hillman grad website. I would love to hear, we talk a lot about putting yourself out there on this show. And just so I understand, like, I would love for you to just quickly talk about the actual act of like connecting with Lena's company and getting it off the ground quickly. Just because I think like sometimes hearing the granular, like we just sent an email or like we went through our management, like sometimes that's helpful for our listeners to like, see how you can practically sort of put yourself out there and build, build things. Totally. Great question. So relationships is how things happen for us. And like the, 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 well, I had worked with Minhal Bay on her short film Hala um, a couple of years back. She had the opportunity to direct a commercial with Lena and Rishi and Hillman Grad. And they had, they, this was their first commercial. And Dominica and I were working commercials. And she's like, I want Dominica and Constanza to be my producers on this project. And that started the relationship. And it became like, oh, wait, we love working together. We have a lot of similar values. We see the, you know, that we have the same sort of ethos and how we want to move forward, not only as companies, as people, but in the stories that we're telling. And, you know, four years later, we are, you know, we have a lot of projects with, with Hillman, with Lena, with Rishi and, and it's that it's, it, it's relationships. We don't have management and, and like, like truly, I think for us, it's, it has been about the relationships and, and, and our work ethic and our, you know, it's like, who we are and how we how we you know it's it's all about how we produce and like how who how how we operate as people and as as producers so i think that that's how that started i hope that answers your question but but the relationship gets like you know the relationship it like is sparked but then it gets built and it really gets built by showing up doing the work protecting your collaborators, caring for your collaborators um, and making people feel that they can trust you to carry on the job. Um, And then that sparks, you know, more opportunities. And the reality is opportunities, um, you know, do have to be earned. Like maybe you get lucky and you get one, but if you blow it, that's not going to get you the next one. And I think it's so important to, you know, do your work with pride, do your work with ethic, um, and and honor the commitments that you say that you're going to be able to deliver. And I think that's what's gotten us to, I mean, to this point where Hillman um, trusts us to to co-run this program with them um, and, and continue to collaborate on other projects. It's such good advice. So I'm curious about your relationship and your working together as sisters. I have a sister and we are so, so opposites that sometimes we can't even be in each other's houses. Like we, I love her, but our relationship is mostly conducted over the phone (laughs) because we're so different. So, um, and I mean that basically like how often she sweeps the floor and how often I sweep the floor, like our tolerance level for each other's being alive. Right. So how do you manage, like, you guys are not the same person. So like disagreements in terms of, you know, the creative direction of a project, how do you negotiate that? That's a great question. Yeah. We kind of see our really like we are the strongest relationship in our partnership. It's like and we and like any relationship, it takes work, it takes clear communication, it takes respect and it takes boundaries. So daily checking in on those, because I also think, you know, like 
for example, like if she, like if Domenica disagrees with me on, on something like story, you know, like we're telling like, we're talking about story and it's like, well, I don't see it that way because blah, blah, blah. In that moment in my stomach, I will feel like, like, why, why are you disagreeing with me? Like, this sucks. Like I'm right. Of course I'm right. Shut up. Like that, that's the thing that happens like within seconds. And then I'm like, okay, calm down. It's your ego talking there's really you work with this person because you trust and you value them and to us I think challenging each other like like work has to be elevated and it's not going to come by agreeing on things and the way that you elevate on story and the way that you elevate the work and each other is through not agreeing on things and really being able to be like okay ego go aside let me really listen to what it is that you're saying and it's not, it has, it's not easy. Like it's easier said than done, but you have to really just have that awareness and be conscious of when your ego is helping you and when it's not. And I think that applies to relationships. Like, of course you always want to be right. And you want people to praise you and be like, of course, that's a great idea. And when you have an idea and you're like, this is great. Like this is a good idea that I brought up. And they say, no, like trust that you're working with people that like are saying no and have dialogue and be like, okay, why not? Well, I see this more of this. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. I hadn't thought about that. Of course. Okay. Let's move that way. Because, because now my idea is old and not making sense and not, and ultimately not elevating the story. So I think we put story truly at the forefront. Um, Our professor Francisco Menendez from UNLV taught us very early on, you know, 10 years ago, and this sticks to to my brain and it will continue to, it's like, no one is servicing anybody except for the story and the script that you're telling. And so I think that, you know, applying it, like not taking it personal when somebody disagrees with you and it's harder. It's like, it's, if, if somebody that you don't deal with on a daily basis disagree with you, you'll be like, okay, cool. But if somebody that you deal with on a daily basis disagrees with you it can cause more friction so just having that awareness and be like okay if somebody else had said this I would be treating it differently and like not taking it personal it's <laughs> hard to do but I so admire I so Super admire hard. that conflict is where great creativity comes from I'm gonna mm-hmm. tattoo that, that on my arm um so in your film school experience um you had mentioned to Savannah, I believe, that the story development was the biggest focus of your program. Can you talk a little bit about that and why that's so valuable? I find a lot of emerging writers certainly don't want to do development. And I completely understand the impulse to be like, but I wrote like three versions of this and I want to go and take it to market and everybody needs to know who I am. Like, I totally get that. But I'd love to hear your insights into the, kind of what how you approach it and what you learned. Yeah, we went to a public university, UNLV. They have an incredible film uh, program and a film department and um, but it is you know it's not a super rich school and the the program is really focused not on like you know the technology and the tools and how you can you know go shoot your movie it's really focused on what story you're trying to tell because that's the work that they can really do and help you do um, and we had incredible teachers um, we took a lot of acting classes we took a lot of um, directing classes and, um, and we learned from incredible storytellers that really, really, really like made it a point that it wasn't about going out and shooting your movie, but it was about what's on the page and what's on the page will make happen whatever, you know, the, the rest will happen. 
Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was about being vulnerable. It was about being honest. It was about being true. It was about showing yourself through the scripts and, and using your imagination and creativity to also hide behind these other characters um, and weave yourself into them and, um, and, and have something to say and, and the responsibility of what it is that you're saying, not just telling a story because you think it's cool or because you thought that concept was great or, but because it means something to you and it's important for you to use your voice to, and raise your voice through these, through these narratives. It's really hard sometimes to figure out what story you want to tell. And something that really helped me was Gil Dennis used to teach at AFI, which is where I got my master's in producing. And I think my favorite thing that I did at AFI was the, the this workshop with him where he gave us homework and said, okay, go write your biggest, your most fearful moment your most shameful moment and your most joyful moment. And then you're going to come and you're going to share with the class those things. And it was a class of 30 people. And they, the way that he would do it is that it would be filled with cinematographers, writers, directors, um, editors, producers. And so there would be a little bit of everything and you would have to... And he could tell who was actually... like, And you could tell who was actually being vulnerable and who was like, a little bit full of shit I'm sorry to say but and I always think back I'm like are you being a little full of shit and like how do you not like how do you navigate that and I think a lot of people who don't want to do the work and who don't like I'm not interested in those who don't want to develop I think that development is so essential because ultimately what's on the page can only get better right so like if you I hate when I, I not hate, but like, I, I really dislike working with people and I choose now not to work with people who are like, we'll fix it in post or we will figure it out on the day and, or you can't read it. It's not on the script, but I'll know. And there's a fine line. There is a fine line between what your actors are going to bring, what your cinematography is going to bring, what the missing sun is going to be able to really a help you shine but if the if the concept if the idea if the feeling is really not on the page it's then never gonna it's just up. not gonna show up so I think that's something that I'm still working on and trying to figure out okay this is really something that like through the acting through the directing through like the choices that are going to be happening on set can I let this one this note go and 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 I still don't have an answer but I am very conscious of that and and the importance of development and you know it, doing 30 drafts if it's necessary working on a script for 10 years if it's necessary and like being able you know we have a lot of scripts that we are writing and sometimes we're like actually I answered this thing and it turned out that you said it the other day you're like I was trying to answer a question about a relationship with my dad and I feel like that's no longer serving the story in the way that it was going. So like, we need to step back and figure out like, what is the central question that we're trying to answer? Because we thought it was this. Now we realize like, oh no, we were just working through some things. And now what, what is at the core? And, and being able to, to be like, okay, you know, even though I would love to shoot this tomorrow, I'm not ready for this now. And, and it's something that only 
you can can work on yourself and be and be really honest like yes of course um we we took speaking of mentorship we we brought up peter markham who was the afi directing uh, professor and head of, of of directing at afi for season three of rising voices to give additional mentorship so we were just listening to his class and he said that also a uh, perfectionism is the enemy of evolution so again also having a balance of like well it's never going to be perfect so just really knowing what story it is that you're trying to to tell and and trust i think when when you take out a project and it's just and you keep getting no's and no's and no's and no's and no's and no's for years and years and years maybe it's time for you to move on or understand that something's not working um i i agree as something you said earlier about you can tell who's telling the truth and who's full of shit and i do this all the time when i'm pitching I write like my intro and like, oh, this is funny. And this will really be true. And I realized on what I was working on this morning. And I was like, no, that's funny. I'm being clever. I'm not telling the truth. I'm writing a show about shame. And yet here I am not admitting my real fear of shame, right? I've covered it up with a funny story, you know, so it's, it's a, uh, it's a good reminder. I can have both. I can have a funny story and I can tell the truth about my shame. Ugh. Anyway, thank you. I think that's so great. And Savannah would like to ask you a question too. Um, I loved, I loved hearing about your journeys of, you know, this really resonates with me also as a producer and as a creative, but um, rediscovering your own stories, right? This process of how during the pandemic, you're like, well, wait a minute, what about this? You know, and that curiosity, but essentially what you were, you guys are telling us is that you know, you discover that your story matters. And um, that's something that just really resonates with me deeply. Um, and so I'd love to just know uh, if you could both, you know, time travel back in time and uh, meet with your younger selves, uh, what would you tell her? What what advice would you give? Ooh, that's a great question. <laughs> what advice would I give Constanza 10 years ago? Um, I mean, honestly, it's like, don't hide, don't hide by what society is telling you and what by by what others are telling you, because that's an easy thing to do. And like, also, it's easy to blame like, well, my teacher and whatever, but I could have like, seen that. But obviously, like, I did, I couldn't at that moment. But I think that, like, don't hide in what others are like when people say no like don't take it personally and if it's something that you really want to do and actually I think about this all the time because at the at the time that I was going to uh, uh, sub, uh apply for for AFI uh, as a producer my teachers who had been telling me like you're a great producer don't direct you're a great producer you're a great producer you're a great producer like focus on producing you've been doing this I had, I was like, no, I'm going to prove you wrong and I'm going to direct. And I start, I directed three short films and I proved to them that I could direct. So when the time came for me to apply for AFI, they were like, hey, you should really consider actually, instead of producing, applying for directing. And I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, you've been telling this whole time. And all of a sudden, and, and to be honest with myself, I was afraid of not having something to say. And I and I hit and I hit uh, with that fear, like I I and, and I always wonder. I'm like I wonder, and I love producing again. Like I truly do, but I do wonder. I was like I wonder if if I had 
seen the value in my voice if I had if I had chosen a different a different uh, avenue in in my in my master's class my master's um if I and I think the answer is yes honestly I think the answer is yes so I would say to myself like and I and I still hear people like this day be like I don't think I have anything to say it's like you have something to say each of us like what makes you from the tiniest things from the loneliest moments from the your anxieties your depressions your fears your your truths your joy like that is so uniquely you so no matter where you're from who you are how you identify you really your your perspective and your point of view is so uniquely you that it actually does matter so like that would be something that I would tell myself <laughs> I love that I think for me um I've always cared a lot I've always cared so much I always cared to like I would do homeworks and like stay up to like three in the morning and my parents would be like but you're please go to bed. You need to sleep. You're only like eight, go to sleep. <laughs> and I always did everything with so much pride. And I think I would just tell my younger self that while I could probably have relaxed in those years, it was really good. I built really strong habits mm -hmm. that are paying off now and that I can, that I should Your be proud of that dedication and that that time wasn't lost, that it truly is time. Um, it was preparation for, for, I think this, these moments where it really requires that you, um, you know, stay awake for as, for long hours and that you burn the steam and that you do all these things. And so, I yeah, I think I would say, because for so long, I really felt like, oh, no, that I waste my childhood being worried about things. Um, and I think, no. And now you're a producer who's a professional worrier <laughs> and a professional doer and a professional doer. Um, all right. So the, at the end of our episodes uh, with guests, we always ask the same three questions. So um, our first question is, what brings you the most joy when it comes to writing? I think what brings me the most joy when it comes to writing is um like characters and spending time with characters and and finding I, I really actually love to find ways in which the story is not working um while it's like very complicated and a frustrating process it brings me joy because it makes me feel like if I do that work it's going to get me to what the script really actually is meant to be um so I would say that uh, that that finding ways in which it doesn't work gives me joy Hmm. And for me, Constanza, I think it's just getting uh, getting to spend time with with characters and getting to know them and discovering things that, you know, because even if I like I tend to write from my own personal experience. And so I'm learning to deviate from that and being able to be like, well, I, while I'm writing about things, I know this this person I'm creating on the page is a whole different person and like what can I learn and how will will she or he or they help me navigate where they need to go I think that's an exciting new thing that I recently discovered um and what about your and I'm gonna also just ask a second question here what brings you the most joy of producing the most joy producing 
I honestly, I think it's watching the film with a group of, of, of people who are not my friends and are not my peers and seeing the reaction and seeing them feel and navigate through the emotions, because then that means we did something right. So that is something, you know, it's not the same thing to watch a movie with your peers, your collaborators, your family, your friends, and to watch it with complete strangers who like really don't need to tell you how great your film is or not. Um, and who, and you can just feel the room, you know? And, and that's my favorite thing about, I hope like continuing to be able to experience films together in a room with a group of strangers because that energy and that sense of community is like sanctuary. It's like, it's like, it doesn't, it, it it's, it's like, it's something that while it's very comfy for me to just watch TV from my bed and like consume, you know, all of the things and it's great. Like being able to feel the energy of others who are strangers who, and all of us just experiencing the same thing is like really, really unique. And, and I really enjoy that, but I really do love even even the hard times I I, I enjoy because they make me learn and grow. And for me with producing, I think is um, I'm I'm kind of rediscovering my joy with producing. Um, I am experiencing a little bit of I would say a burnout <laughs> in full transparency <laughs> um, because we have been making, you know, in this third year, it will be 30 films that we make with 30 directors. Um, in such a short amount of time. So it's a lot of personalities. It's a lot of um, incredible storytellers, but it's also a lot of, um, it's a lot of um, liability to carry as well. Um, and this is from like a production company point of view. Um, it's, it's, you know, bringing, bringing 30 films to life. It takes the same amount of time to make a three-day shoot or the same energy and the same dedication to make you know a feature um with 65 people or a short with 65 people the feature just goes on for longer um but the reality is each project is is very very demanding and um i'm rediscovering i i think for me the joy is really um the you know the the stories um and um, and I think that what it's what it's doing for the future um, of, of these filmmakers when we make these films. All right. So what pisses you off about your work? What pisses me off about my work? A lot of things. But if I could nail it down to one, I think um, when I realize that somebody is not willing to be vulnerable, um, and I'm like, oh shit, how can I help you? How can we get you? Because ultimately that's all a producer, a mentor, anybody can do. Like even your peers, you know, like mentorship can be your peers. It's like, are they telling you the truth? I like, honestly, if somebody, if I give somebody a script or a story and they come back with amazing feedback, I'm like, okay, I will never ask you again because you're not telling me the truth. And so, um, I think, I think that just when I realized like, oh, like, how do I get you to be vulnerable? And also when 
people are not navigating with reality and it's like they get stuck on the but why but why and it's like there's so little time you have to turn your nose into a yes into a positive like like I, I live by that I'm like everything all the obstacles will come your way at a script level in production you can prep 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 and like still something's gonna happen and I think that it really annoys me when people are not willing to just be like okay challenge sucks yes let's acknowledge it takes five minutes to just cry about it and whatever but now we have to keep going and now we have to to make a film and so that's that's yeah that annoys me yeah I think for me what really angers me about the work is when you just see the person get in their way it's similar to what you're saying in their own way and you're like but I am telling you all the ways in which you could actually get out of the ways for yourself so that you can go you know and and that's hard it's hard to watch someone struggle with that um and it makes the work like not that fun yeah I I am currently in that cycle myself of getting also, in my own way <laughs> also yeah. when people lie to you about the like it's like oh yeah I hear you I'm listening I'm listening I ignore everything you told me and I you know like or, or where it feels like the feedback is received in a really like positive way I, sometimes I feel like we've you know people have been trained to to just say yes to things and then do the other and I don't find that to be a good collaboration and I don't you know, mm. I, I find that to be just a waste of everybody's time. I would rather sit with someone who says, I, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. And, and talk, then I know. And talk um, about why, you know, don't tell me, yes, I'll do it. I agree. Like disagree and let's have a conversation. Yeah. Um, otherwise. I find this is such an interesting thing from a producer's perspective, because as a writer, in order to keep ourselves safe, we say, yes. Sure. Yeah, I'll go look into that because engaging in a conversation sometimes can be not the right move. So I think to your earlier point, it's really about the relationship you have with your collaborators, with your producers. Like if the production team, like you guys have created a safe space and you have been vulnerable and you are telling the truth, then that creates a relationship where the writer feels safe to tell the truth. But a lot of the dynamics are just so emerging writers listening who might be in the working with their first producer relationship, like do not assume that you can negotiate a note with a producer, right? What they do want to hear is take the note and then you go figure it out. Very, you're a very rare team. You got you, the two of you who want to hear from a writer or director uh, why? Because it takes a lot of work and a lot of time and a lot of getting you out of your own way and convincing and like all those super producer skills, right, that you have to have that uh, exhaust, right? Um, so I just want to warn our emerging writers. I think what you both are saying is excellent, excellent advice. But I know just from listening to you guys chat for the last hour that you bring yourselves wholly and vulnerably and truthfully to the exchange. And so you are showing yourself first so that a writer can trust then. And it's still, but writers, uh, we are all trained to be like, we get fired at any minute. We're expendable. So there is a, a fear of pushing back, of telling and the that's truth. Totally valid. That's totally valid. And a lot of times people do give notes that haven't spent the right amount of time on scripts or stories um, and are projecting their own 
ideas and thoughts on how they want to concoction your film and so it's totally totally valid it really like I I'm really speaking from a place of like you know the collaboration's been there I've put myself in the lava I've you know shown up completely I've lost sleep I've been there holding you and so to be lied to is not nice um but but it's yeah it's very complex and so yes I am speaking specifically to um to when you have established uh, a real trust and and it just feels like you know that that trust got betrayed in a way but I think Lauren you mentioned something that I think about all the time and I think this is a systemic issue of Hollywood mm -hmm. and of the way that like that executive or producer or uh, writer like relationship so I would really encourage all of the executives and any producers who are listening to like check in with yourself like and 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 you know if you like Because for me, it's like if I give a note, it's like, here's an example of what I how what I'm trying to get at. Don't necessarily use that, but and and let's talk about it. You know what I mean? Like, but but not having the time to allocate for dialogue and for conversation because and then and then use your power to say, well, if you don't do this, you will be fired, kind of thing. And is is something that like you have to like be careful of but I would say also like maybe a good healthy way would be like okay here's me trying the things that you want me to do and here's why they don't work like that's exactly that might it. Also yeah. be the other way to come about it and say okay look I tried your because that happened for example on a film where it's like we had a We had a film, like the parameters of the program is that you have to make a 15 minute film, right? And it has to be 15 minutes or less. And what we did is, that, you know, this film, like we we're like, okay, let's see the 15 minute version. When we watched it, we're like, oh shit, this film does not work at 15 minutes. And now I know that I can confidently go back to the team and say, hey, this doesn't work. And here's why, watch it, you know? And, and so I think also like trying the note and being like, okay, this is why it doesn't work and being able to that, back it up. Is, that's is it. it. And as a professional writer, it's important to go a step further. Take the note, investigate, try it, doesn't work. Take the note, investigate it, try it, doesn't work. Try it this way, this way. Then find a solution that works. Bring yeah. that to the table so that you're not just bringing the, here's why your note didn't work. You're saying, I tried all these things. Here's why they didn't work. I found something that works, totally. right? Like, I think even when you're working with a collaborator, they don't want to have a check-in with you, like a healthy, you know, what they don't want to have a check-in with you. We're like, it's not working. You want to be like, I tried this. It's almost there. I need more time. You know, I think it's our job is to solve problems, writers, totally. creatives, yeah. right? So, yeah. So, yeah. And yeah. I always say like, it's the note behind the note. And when a note is given, oftentimes the suggestion is going to be wrong. The person doesn't know how to fix your script. They don't know your script or your film as closely. They should, I, you know, I mean, you would only hope that every creative knows it as as deeply as you, but as a, as a writer or as a director, you've spent the most time analyzing these and, and your, your actors as well know they spend a lot of time um, with it, but it really comes down to like, if there is a note, it's because something is, there's an imbalance somewhere in this mm -hmm. and something needs to be fixed and i often give the example of like you could be looking at a, at a wall and there could be a frame and people are like i'm not sure about the wall and you're like okay well is it the color no it's not the color well is it the, it's and 
all you really needed to do was, you know, you change the picture, it's still not working. Really what you needed to do was just straighten it out. Like there was no, you know, not much to do. It was just like, you know, slanted and it just needed. I wish every note were that simple, honestly. <laughs> right, right. But a lot of times, I know, I know. A lot, it is so much a lot of times that, and it's just, yeah. I think it's, you know, the note of like at minute 130, uh, take this out or cut earlier. They're only asking you because something before wasn't working or something later is feeling too long. And so just really being able to be close to your material and enough to, enough to recognize. Um, and we do an exercise sometimes together where we'll sit and watch TV shows and we'll just be like, I have no notes or I would have cut this or I would have changed this or just to also figure out where we, where we stand um, in our note giving and, and how checking we are doing and checking in yeah. with ourselves and how much is not just a taste note, you know, it's like, or as really a note is like, don't confuse, don't, um, don't bore. <laughs> you know? That's a good note. All right, Jeff, you want to ask the last question? <laughs> Absolutely. And just great, great advice for me too. It's always nice on this show when the things we say get affirmed by other people. And so we're just grateful. It's very clear that you all are just, really, really valuable producers. I think anyone would be lucky to work with both of you. Um, the last question we ask is if you could, and you can answer this however you want, but I'm going to say, if you could be remembered for any scene that you've either produced or written, what would it be and why? So it could be a project that you've produced and worked on or something that feels more immediately your own. And I'm curious to hear what that would be. Oh, on the spot. Whoa. Ooh. I'm always curious about when guests get baffled by this. Like you guys listen to the show. You know, no, I coming. know. I forgot. I mean, we've just made so many different stories. I know. And I've been with so many there. different people. Um, I mean, I. I maybe I would say that the one thing that I would really want to be remembered for. I sorry. Um the one thing that I'd really want to be remembered for is um our film We Are Here. I just really stand by the message um that it that it sends. And it's a it's it's a problem that has been here forever ago. And it's a problem that will continue to happen. And it's a source of a lot of pain for people and a root of um mistrust of others and it's just you know I, I think for me it's that's the body of work that I could really um you know if I'm remembered for that I, I would be that would be really cool but hopefully something positive came up from people watching that I think we are here was the the immediate thing and I and I was like is it because I made it is it because I directed it is it because it's my voice and to be honest it's because it's truly our heart like it's it's something that like it's like I can say that wholeheartedly, this is extremely Dominica and I in like, in the wake of who we are as humans and and the kind of stories. And I'm very proud of so many films that we've worked with and projects, but I think We Are Here would be the answer. It's a lovely, lovely film. Truly, congratulations. And um, thank you so much for showing up and sharing so much of yourselves with us. It was an amazing conversation. I feel so inspired. I am, 
I admire the both of you so much for everything you said, how you said it, what the work that you do. And honestly, I, you know, as always with the show, but especially today, like you're so speaking to exactly what I have to go work on after I wrap the the Zoom here. Um, and I just feel like talking to you cracked something that I have been struggling with and have been in my own way with this project. So thank you truly, truly. Um, really, I feel I feel super charged up. And so thank you for the gift of you for showing up and being yourselves. I think you never stop learning no matter where you are. You, you should never stop being curious and asking questions and being vulnerable. And that means not knowing, not having the answer. It's like, if somebody asks you something, it's like, actually, I don't know. Let me get back to you. Like just being more truthful in like really who we are as people and as filmmakers and storytellers and like not being afraid to just say like, I don't know, is something really important. And I'm very grateful for the show because truly every time I'm stuck or I'm, I'm like, okay, this is my morning time where I actually have time. Like we're on a commute. I listen to this because every time, whether it's in the opening of the show, during the show or the closing, I learn something and discover something. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm not alone. And ultimately that's why we're telling stories. Like at, at least for me, it's like to make people feel less alone in the world. And I'm very grateful for all the information vulnerability that you bring because it shifts all of the things like, okay, I'm talking to real people or go, you know, professionals struggling. Okay. I'm not so bad, you know, like I, it, it, and, and it doesn't get easier, but I think you just learn to kind of like build those muscles, like working out. It's like, are you, does it ever get easier? Like, do no, you on a sprint and doesn't. Feel, I'm not tired. It's like, of course you're tired, but you build through, you know, you're in the gym of, of your life, of your, of yourself as a storyteller. And 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 you and it'll never get easier, but you'll have the skills and endurance to kind of keep going. The show is so inspiring and it's, um, you know, maybe a lot of the things that are also, you know, sounding and resonating with how you all think about the shows, because we've also been listening to it a lot and have been um, have been learning from from you all, um, I'm sure. Um, I know for a fact and I yeah, I'm so happy that this show exists and that is there to support the artists because it's so lonely. It's such a lonely, um, such a lonely journey and um, and so intimate and so personal. Um, and this is definitely a podcast that has made me feel less alone. So thank you. For us and well, even if just the two of you have been touched and moved by the show, then I mean, we've done our job. So thank you so much. <laughs> well, so it's lovely yeah. to hear. See how I did that? I just said, thank you. See, I'm learning. <laughs> um, Good job. Good job. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much to Domenica and Constanza for coming onto the show today. Um, and make sure you check out their short film, We Are Here, and more information about Indeed's Rising Voices Initiative. Jeff, you can put the stuff in the link for the show. That would be great. Um, and before we wrap up, we have a few announcements. Our next story workshop for our Patreon community will be held on January 25th, 2023. Uh, we have an exciting mock writers room workshop with Sean Prasant on January 28th. So an exciting couple of days there on the docket. Um, I did just use the word docket. That's I want everyone to notice that. Um, also, <laughs> please drop us a review on um, Apple Podcasts. It really helps. And remember, you are not alone and keep writing. Thanks for tuning in to The Screenwriting Life. We love our community and we want to get to know you even better. 
Join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash the screenwriting life or email us at the screenwriting life at gmail.com to have your question considered for the show. You can also suggest topics by emailing us there. Also, we'd love for you to drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. Even if we don't read your review on air, trust me, we have read it. And not only does it mean the world to us, but it helps other people find the show. We've always been driven by mission and mentorship, and reviewing our show helps expand that mission. And of course, until next Sunday, happy writing.